Welcome to Window to Success, business and sales strategies. Your hosts, Shane Nelson and TJ Moon, here to be your trusted guides through the world of entrepreneurship. Whether you're a seasoned business pro, a new entrepreneur, or a sales enthusiast, this podcast is for you. Get ready for practical insights, actionable tips, and inspiring stories to help you on your journey to success. So let's dive in and explore the strategies that can take your business to new heights. All right. Welcome to the second episode of Window to Success, which is a podcast about sales and business strategies. So our, our first episode covered a lot about value. Why is value so important? How has it led us to where we are in our career? Yep. And I think we talked a lot about my career and what, I, what I've accomplished in the last five years, but I'd love to learn a little bit more about what, what you've done in your career. I mean, I'm sure you have an extensive history with 21 years, you said? 21 years, man. Yeah, it's been quite a journey throughout my career. I, um, I mean, the, predominantly most everything was spent in windows and doors. I took some random detours here and there. Um, but so, like, I started, I guess, I started straight out of college. And um, they, like, the reason I got into windows and doors was because what I was working in, at, at the gym, right? I was, I was a general manager for Gold's Gym for a while. Yeah. Um, and then one of my good buddies, his name is Mike Garrison, um, Garrison, Garrison had started doing something. I didn't know what he was doing, right? Um, but the dude had every toy imaginable. We're like 24 years old, right? And he's got a new MacBook. He's got a new surfboard. He's got a new snowboard. He's got all kinds of crazy stuff. And I was like, homie, what are you doing? And he was like, Windows, man. Windows are good. And I was like, <laughs> Windows? What are you talking about? Um, so anyways, like I, I checked it out a little bit. And then I was—I remember one day I was frustrated at work or whatever. It was, it was kind of fortuitous because he called me out of the blue and was like, dude, there's a uh, sales rep position that's available for this company that I work for. It's called Smitty's Building Supply. And I was like, all right, like, what am I going to do? I'm selling windows? He's like, yeah. Um, so that's that was like where everything originated. And um, we that, that was like cutting my teeth and learning about windows. And Dude, I sucked. I was not good in the first place. I mean, I was good at sales, but I wasn't good at like windows. I remember like actually in the first time we were in a meeting, they, they threw me right into this sales meeting. And it was a product training with the, the product rep from Infinity by Marvin, right? Um, and they were using just basic terminology. Like, and I, the one that sticks out in my mind is they kept talking about GBG, which I was like, I didn't know what a GBG was, right? And I remember I went up to the guy after this thing and I was like, hey, so I'm brand new and you kept saying GBG and I don't know what GBG means. And he kind of laughed at me and he was like, oh, it's a grid between the glass. And I was like, oh, so I'm like writing stuff down, right? Um, and so then I went to work for us, uh, for Marvin. I was, I was selling Marvin for a while. Um, like when that, there was a Marvin show place I worked for. Then I went and worked for Pella. All this was as a sales rep. I kind of bounced back and forth, which I know a lot of sales reps will do. They'll kind of bounce around from product to product. And as long as you're kind of in the same arena, then it's not really that big of a deal, right? Um, so I went and worked for Pella for, for a while. I did pretty well. I made President's Club there. President's Club was $2 million with a 30% close ratio okay. at that time, right? Um, I went there. Then I went back to Marvin and I was, uh, I was repping product, right? At that point, I was a factory rep and I was doing a lot of the, the, the stuff between the manufacturing and the distributors and spec home builders. So like if you were a custom home builder and you wanted to buy bulk to buy all out of windows, like I was doing that sort of stuff and doing takeoffs on homes and things like that. Um, then I went like where, where I really learned everything though was RBA. 
I mean, working for Noel by Anderson, man, I, it took me two times to get on an RBA. So I went over there in the first place, and my buddy was working over there at the time, and like Mike Garrison had gone to work over there. We kind of followed Garrison throughout his career. Um, and he, uh, he, he got me an interview in the first place, and I went and interviewed, and I remember the sales manager, who is still a friend of mine, right? He, he, the first time he was like, I don't know that you have enough experience. Like Anderson's the the big dog, right? They they don't play around, right. and so he wanted me to go get more direct to to consumer sales sales experience. So I went back to Pella, did the thing again, and and did more residential experience with like one call closing and learning the 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 ins and outs of being in a home that sort of stuff. And I came back like a year later, and he was like, "All right, cool." So then he brought me on with RBA, um, and that's where I started to learn sales process because everything else, man, we were flying blind, right? Like we were two step in appointments. We would go out there, <laughs> we'd take measurements, and then we would bring them to a showroom or something like that and then try to present price to them or I'd go back to them with a second proposal or I'd email them or whatever the story is, which we all know is not the, the paradigm for selling, right? It doesn't work that way. Um, so that's, and RBA has a very defined sales process and that's kind of where our sales process came from in the first place, right? Um, and so I, I spent probably six years, I guess, at RBA, five, six years, something like that. Um, and they have a thing called the Top Performer Conclave every year, which is like, at that point, was $2 million, 35% close ratio, and you also had to have a customer satisfaction score. That was the, they, they put a lot into customer satisfaction um, and doing the tracking and that kind of stuff. And so it was like three metrics you had to hit. I made that four years in a row, including my very first year. They like made an exception for me because I started in May, and I ended up writing like $1.8 million that year from May to the end of the year. Okay. But they um, it was $2 bucks. but they were like, you only had like May. We're totally taking you. And I was like, hell yeah, this is awesome. Um, and so then I like I, I took a random turn after that, and I got into storm restoration for a while. And I was running a I moved. I, I home is Denver for me, always has been, right? Um, so I moved from Denver uh, out to Washington D.C. Spent a lot of my career in D.C. Then went back to Denver, uh, and I got into storm restoration, doing some pretty niche stuff out there with regards to windows. It's like a that's a whole other conversation. We were we were running massive claims in these like castle houses that were out there. Um, and then got back into windows and doors when I moved out here to Wisconsin because I met my fiance and then moved out here to Wisconsin. Yeah. And that's kind of what, what landed me back in the retail area. Um, and that, you know, that's, that's where we met was working for the previous company we were at. And I was, um, I, when I left, I was the regional director of, of BizDev. But was, I started the, the selling sales manager and then moved into the sales and production manager and then moved into the, the general manager role and then became the regional director for everything when I last was there. And that is what landed us here. And then... You know, the, what got us to this point is I have helped so many other people become rich and I never got to, it was like I got a salary out of it. You know what I mean? And at, at some point I realized like, okay, I think that especially with the two of us put together, we have the skills to come out here and teach these things to contractors so that, yeah, they can elevate their business and they can grow their sales teams and they can build their, their dynasties, I suppose, that they want to. And we can bring the pieces and parts to that equation. So that's what I'm most excited about being able to do now, man. Like I, I finally have a job where I get up every morning and I'm excited to do it. <laughs> that's awesome, man. And I think talking about the sales process and kind of zooming out a little bit, the really the basis of this sales process is what we like to call commitments. Yep. And commitments, and there's people have different words for it all throughout the industry. Um, but really, the commitments are just questions that you ask the homeowners and commitments that you get to certain aspects of the sales product process, whether it's your you know commitment to the an easy one, time and agenda. Just, you know, do I have enough time to be here? Is there, any, is there gonna be any hard cuts? Um, and here's what I'm gonna be doing for you today to 
this is why you need to buy this because your house is jacked up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, can you talk a little bit about you know, what you think is the biggest importance and really why we created the commitments for, the, for this process? Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, so there's two parts to it, right? There's setting the expectations in regards to what's going to happen. People don't like situations in which everything is in question, right? So especially when they've got a brand new person in their house and they've never met you before. And we know that people buy from those that they know, like, and trust, right? That's the right. standard rule in sales. they got to know you, like, and then trust you. Um, and one of the places that I've found that you first start by building trust is by just telling them everything that's going to happen. So, and normally sales reps, they just don't do this, right? They just walk in and they go straight to the window or straight to looking at the door or whatever. And then it's, there's no relationship built at all. Right. So when you go in and you start with that very first one, which is time and agenda, like you talked about, and you're like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And you explain all the pieces and parts, everything that you're going to do. So now they know the road ahead. So when you do your exterior inspection or you do your, your price presentation or you do whatever it is you're going to do, they knew that that was coming along. And then also it allows them to understand what a time frame is based off of, right? Because if you go in and you say, I need 60 to 90 minutes, you don't tell them what for. They're like, uh, <laughs> what, an hour and a half, bro? Right. What are you going to do here, right? But when you explain all the things that you're going to do, then they're like, oh, yeah, okay, all right, right on. Um, so that's, that's just kind of the, the intro one. In my personal opinion, the biggest one is commitment to the project, right? Because in order for them to be 100% committed to buying something from you they have to be 100 percent committed to solving the problem and that comes from a really in-depth conversation you're going to have with them in regards to all the problems that they've been facing and the issues that they that they want to solve and what caused them to call you today and you, you know you get to the real essence of that entire conversation and, and problem and then you join them in their problems right you join them in their pain and then when you go and do your exterior inspection you come back with a full array of photos and you're like all right it's real, right? We, we're looking at this together on my iPad. You can see how these windows are rotting on the outside and you got seal failure all over the place and everything is jacked up. Now, I'm not saying you've got to do it with me. I'll earn the right to ask for your business. But can we both agree that this is not a problem that you can put off for another you know, six months to a year? We got to get something done about this right now. Yes? So when they're bought into their problem, they're bought into agreeing that it's very real, it's very much an issue, and you got to get this thing taken care of, now you can roll forward and they're on board with everything else to hear. If you don't get committed to that project, it's going to be a problem, right? Because then they're going to waffle on your price and there's like a cost versus benefit analysis as far as whether it's worth it or not. And then what is the other guy going to offer it for me to? But if they're 100% bought in, like, yeah, I'm with you. This sucks. Let's <laughs> fix the problem. Then you can roll with it, right? Yeah. And, and honestly, none of that even matters unless you establish control in an appointment. And I think we were talking about time and agenda. That is probably one of the most crucial parts of the entire appointment mm -hmm. because you establish what I call passive control. Okay. And really what that is, is it's just taking control of an appointment because what ends up happening with a lot of these newer reps is they'll, they'll walk into a house, the guy will be like, oh, let me show you where the windows are and yeah. I'll, I'll take you to the window and see see all the fog and let me take you upstairs and let me take you outside. And he, the homeowner is now dictating the entire appointment for yeah. you as opposed to as opposed to you being like, oh, no, that's okay. Is there a place that I can actually just set my stuff down really quick and we can talk a little bit more about your project first? And, and really establishing your control and really establishing yourself as an expert in the industry because yeah. because yeah I'm not going to let you show me around and and, t and take me and take me on this cuz you don't accomplish anything that way. Uh, and that's that's why the commitments are so important because you're kind of a, a, eliminating objections before they happen. Mm -hmm. um, you know that specific one being being the time or or knowing what what's going to be happening during this appointment. So why do you think that it's important to 
to A, get the commitments, but B, try to eliminate any objections that could come up by the end of the presentation. Well, first of all, I hate objections at the end of a presentation. You know what I mean? Because then you're in a dogfight, right? When, when, when the, the objections come up, I mean, because when you're in a sales presentation, if you've done a, a masterful presentation, then you should have overcome on your own terms all of the objections they're going to throw. Because, like, let's be real. There's only about four or five. When, when you boil it down, there's only four or five objections, right? Yeah. You've got the, I need to talk to my wife. And we'll certainly handle that at some point on the podcast because that's a complete, that's more of a condition than it is a, uh, an objection. Right. Sometimes they'll be BSing you about it, but whatever, right? But there's going to be cost. There's going to be, I don't like your product. There's going to be, I don't trust you. I don't know you or I don't trust you. Um, there can be, I don't have the time, right? I'm not sure that I really, I can invest this kind of thing. Or there can be, I don't know that I believe that this problem is a big enough problem to solve. Right? Those are really the only five objections. But even when you look at those five and you boil it all down, it boils down to, I don't trust you. I don't believe what you're telling me. I don't believe that you're telling me that the value is there. I don't believe you when you tell me your product's the best. I don't believe you in your solution you provided. I don't believe you with the problems that you told me that are, that are happening. Like if they don't buy in and trust you, then they're not gonna follow along with what's going on. Um, but so as it pertains to overcoming objections, what you're talking about, a lot of sales reps, they do this thing where they just go through this canned presentation and it's the same thing. It's rinse and repeat. And then they're in a dogfight at the end of it. And that's where you get the pushy sales rep that wouldn't leave my house for three hours. And he did the buy today price and call my manager and you started at $50,000. Now you're down to $25,000. But if you want to do it today, I'll take another $4,000 off. And you know what I mean? Like that's where shady salesperson comes from. Whereas when you have a defined process and you obtain your commitments along the way, each one of those commitments is designed to get rid of that objection down the road, right? So when you, for example, time an agenda, well, if I get a commitment that I have 60 or 90 minutes, then if the homeowner starts futzing around about, oh, I gotta be on a meeting in 30 minutes, what? You, you committed to me that you're gonna give me 60 <laughs> to 90 minutes, right? I can hold you accountable for that and I can right. feel good about it. Same thing goes where if you get a commitment to the project, they're 100% bought in that the project is important enough to do right now. So then later on, if they try to throw at you, well, we gotta do the kitchen and we gotta do the bathroom. No, 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 John, we agreed on this. You, you saw all the pictures, you saw the problems that are happening. We agreed that this is not a problem that's gonna be able to be foregone for you know however long. And so that affords you the opportunity to at least address it. But generally, if you hit it hard enough and you get a solid commitment to each one of those pieces of the, the commitments along the way, doesn't come up right and you you mentioned solid commitments mm -hmm. so can you explain a little bit about the difference between what we'd call a soft commitment or oh, yeah. or a firm commitment yeah absolutely um it, so people th there's three kinds of yes right this is a chris voss thing you're listening to chris voss before? i have okay so he, he talks about the three yeses right you got confirmation commitment and counterfeit right a lot of times they're saying yes they're a counterfeit so when you say, okay, so do we agree that the, the project is, you know, I'm not saying that you got to do it with me. I'll earn the right to ask for the business, but can we agree this is a project that's not, um, you can't put it off for the next, you know, two years, one year, whatever. So they're like, yeah, yeah, it sounds okay. No, 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 no. That, that is not a solid commitment. That's a, that's a counterfeit yes. That's trying to get me to go away because all they want is the number. Give me the number. Give me the number. Give me the number, right? So when, I, when I'm like, well, hold on, that doesn't sound like you're terribly bought into this. Like, I'm going to call you out. Uh, listen, I'm a professional. 
I'm not here to waste my time. And if you're not bought in on doing this project, I have other things to do. There's certainly, I can go follow up on people. I can do run a new lead. I can go do a market. I can do all kinds of different things. Maybe I want to just go do something on my own. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and waste my time with you if you're not bought into your own project. Exactly. So I'm not going to accept fake commitments. Same thing goes with like commitment to the product, right? You do a product presentation and you go, okay, now are these windows, whether it be Anderson or Marvin, I don't care what you're selling. doesn't make it. Are these the windows you'd like to own for your home? Yeah, they're nice. Well, there's a lot of things that are nice. I didn't. That's not what I asked. I asked, do you want to own these for your home? Well, let's see what the numbers are. No, I didn't ask. What, what I'm saying is price or payment aside, if these are free, would you pick these windows for your home? Would you like to own them? Yes, I would like to own those windows. Okay, cool. So now all we're talking about is making this affordable for you. So assuming I can make the numbers work out, you're good to go with X, Y, or Z window we're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Cool. Now I can hold you accountable for that. So if now you want to start futzing around about, well, I want to get four bids and whatever the deal is, like, for what? You said you were committed to the project. You said you're committed to the company. You said you're committed to the product. What else would you be looking for other than another number? And that leads back to isolating the price. Right. And I think, and that's a common problem with a lot of sales reps. They move on with the presentation without getting that firm, that firm yes. Like, yes, I want to own those windows. Yes, I agree with you that these, <laughs> that the problem is bad enough and I should get take, this taken care of as soon as possible and get on somebody's schedule. Yeah. And I think that kills a lot of presentations. And now everybody's talking about, well, I can't overcome these objections at the end. Like, how? what do you guys say to overcome these objections when you get to price presentation? And in reality, it's you got to look internally and you got to go back and be like, how did I screw this up? <laughs> right? Because if you don't get that commitment, that objection inevitably is a 100% of the time going to come up at the end. Yeah. And they just, they move right on past and they're like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Because they're, they're scared to ask those questions, right? Sure. And it's, it comes back to a whole mindset thing, especially once you get, get going for a little while of being confident every single time. Because you're going to get kicked in the face. You're going to get told no. Sure. But you need, you need to get those solid commitments every single time. Or at the end, you're just going to, like you mentioned earlier, you're going to be in a dogfight. <laughs> and it's, it's never, 90% of the time, it's not going to be in your favor. Yeah. So I think I want to transition a little bit into... A little bit more on the business development side. Okay. Um, you've been obviously in the industry. We're talking a lot about sales currently. Yeah. And that, obviously that is a huge part of what we do. Mm -hmm. What is your experience in business development? How did you get into that? And how did that get you? I got thrown in the fire. Honestly, that's <laughs> So uh, all of my experience came from sales, right? Um, and so when I went into storm restoration, for, when I was back in Denver, um, I, I was recruited, this recruiting, this kid for recruiting was actually a colleague of my wife's. So that's how I ended up being my wife. Um, this kid would not stop calling me. And he, he, like, he blew my phone up for like two weeks. And he, finally he was like, look, man, I just want you to take a phone call with me. I've got this amazing opportunity. And I was like, all right, let me get this guy to shut up and leave me alone, whatever. Um, so I took this, this call with him and he told me about the company that I, went, I ended up going to work for. Um, so he set up a meeting with a managing partner. I went in and I had a really good two hour long interview. And essentially what it boiled down to was they had started this company in Minnesota. Then they, what they tried to do was take the entire model from Minnesota and put it in Colorado. And that does not work. You're in a totally different market, different homes, different scenarios, different homeowners, different communities, different everything, right? Um, and they botched it really, really bad. They had basically run up like somewhere around $4 million in sales and botched all of them because they didn't know the homes. They didn't understand that, like, for example, a lot of homes in Colorado have stucco on the outside of them. There's no stucco in Minnesota. 
So when you go to remove a window in stucco, that's a whole different process, and they didn't have a stucco supplier or a stucco um, contractor they could they could count on. So like all these houses were jacked up, right? And so everything went bad. The sales rep started to leave. Everything was bad. Um, so I sat down with the managing partner, and the what, come down to the come down, he was just basically like, "All right, you're either gonna fix this thing, or we're shutting it down." Which is funny because we've heard that more recently, right? Um, but that's how I got kind of thrown into it. And he was like, all right, I'm, I'm turning the division over to you. I don't have the time to be here. It's kind of fragile back in Minnesota right now. So I'm counting on you to come in here and do this thing. I was like, all right, here we go. Right. Um, so I had, uh, when I started there, I had a pr- one production director who was a lovely woman, but not supposed to be a production director at all. Right. <laughs> um, I had two service techs. I had one girl that was managing the order entry I had two sales reps who hated each other, right. so that didn't work terribly well. Nope. Um, and then I had one girl in the back who was one of the most amazing resources that company ever had. Her name was Jessica. She was an absolute rock star. Jess, if you're listening, you were badass. Um, but that's how I got thrown into that, right? And I, we ended up growing. So I, I, when I got there, it was 3.3. When I left three years later, we were at $45 million. Now, that takes a lot to scale that company, right? It doesn't work. You don't you don't just do that revenue right. without building out the pieces and parts. So we had to replace production directors and add service people and, and the margins were whacked out and we had to learn to navigate claims and we had to, I mean, I, I went out and renegotiated all of our vendor lines and I shopped everything and got new buy rates and um, like all that kind of stuff. So that's where I started learning that skill set. Then after I left that company, um, I took a, about a year off and I wrote a book on the whole part of that industry and that sort of thing, um, it, which is not published yet. It's it, like it still needs to go through some iterations to get it fixed or whatever. I don't even know if I will publish it. It's more industry specific. Um, but then I went to the last company that, like, where I met you, right? Um, and it was the same scenario. We, when I walked in the door, there were four sales reps there. They were like two of them were blatant goofballs. Like I was like, "What is going on here?" Two of them were awesome, right? Um, and they were doing. They they had finished up the year just a, just shy of four million dollars. Um, she brought me in as the the selling sales manager, and then quickly realized like, "Whoa, dude, you got a lot more on, that you can offer," right? So that came into that. Then she transitioned me into the the like more of the ops side of things. Okay, and com- that company offered windows, doors, roofing and siding right yep so windows and doors were kind of separated off from roofing and siding well the exteriors department was a dumpster fire i mean it was bad um and so at some point during the winter of 2022 yeah 22 23 um basically i took myself off of the street because i had I, at that point i had brought in i think we had a team of eight sales reps at that point and they were clipping like probably 500 to 600,000 on a monthly basis i think we were projecting like somewhere around eight or nine million bucks that year we ended up finishing that year at 12. I removed myself and I went full on into production. I was like, this thing is not going to blow up this business, right? So me and my my, my uh, PM, Eric, went back there and we just dug in for like 12 hours a day. And that's how I really learned all the ins and outs of the production side was like being in the fire. Right. And then that led me to then become the director of, of ops and sales. So I was kind of overseeing things. We brought in a sales manager and that kind of stuff, which freed me up to start doing all the business development and stuff for that company. And that's really where we, we turned the corner was when we were able to now have the defined sales process and the sales team and the training courses. And we had SOPs in place and we had we had turned over the production staff and we hired the, the new production staff for all that sort of stuff. Then I mean, like your class came in and you guys took off and just blew everything up. Um, the, the, the separate production directors came in. Like we really, I mean, when we left, there was like, what, 50 people? Yeah. Something like that. 50 employees, I think. And when we started. 16 sales reps? Yeah, 16. 
60, wasn't that crazy? Like 16 sales reps. But that was my experience as far as like the biz dev side of things. It was just straight up getting thrown in the fire and having to figure it out, you know? And so I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm some sort of genius about it as well. I botched a lot of things. But that's cool, right? Because there's no such thing as bad information. There's either how to do it or how not to do it. Right. And a lot of what I took away from that experience was how not to do it. So that's kind of what the value it is that I think that I'm going to add to our my side of the, the business is going to be able to help contractors not drive the car into the wall. Because I know what it looks like. Like, <laughs> we can totally drive the car in the wall right now. There's the wall right there. But I can teach them how to not drive the car into the wall. So that's part of BizDev as well. But all the, process, the processes, all the, the margin management, all the – because, I mean, half the time these guys don't even know what they're making. Right. You know what I mean? They just don't. They have no idea. And we've been hearing that a lot lately. Yeah. We've been hearing – we're not getting any leads. We don't. We can't sell anything. We can't close anything. A lot of them don't know what to do. Yeah. There's there's so many different companies out there that literally don't have it. And if they just even had an inkling of a piece of a blueprint or something that that shows them the way, 100% they'd probably take that route. And I think I mean that's a big thing. Is you only you only fail if you quit. Yeah. And it's never a bad thing to go out and ask for help. Right. It's never a bad thing to to find somebody to help you along the way. Yeah. You just got to find the right way to get there. I think a lot of these guys are too proud. Yeah. Or scared, maybe, right? I mean, I'm not trying to say people are scared of other people. That's not what I'm saying. But, like, it can be scary to have to face the reality of the situation, right? It's scary to say, I'm running a business and I don't know how to run a business. But that's okay. People, I mean, nobody knew how to run a I don't know how to run a business. I had to learn, right? You had to learn. We had to learn together. And a lot of these contractors, they, they opened a business because they, they know how to do the thing. They know how to put on a roof, or they know how to install a window, or they know how to, maybe they even know how to sell a window, right? right. Business insurance, uh, vetting out subcontractors, how to set up vendor lines, what's a net 30 account, uh, how do I establish a financing relationship with a primary financier, what are dealer fees, uh, what, how do those factor into my margins, right? How do we, what happens if we have to pivot product lines? How do you how do you adjust your marketing for that? How, what, what kind of things go into all of the, the those things to make those sorts of decisions? How do you pick a product line in the first place? What goes into that, right? What are you looking for when you build a sales team or a sales manager or what qualities make a good production director? How, I don't know. We could do this all day, right? But those are all the things that go into business development that you just don't know when you first start. And I think that's probably the primary value that I'm going to be able to bring to the, the listeners here as well as the clients that we have is don't worry. I got you. You have a resource here that has done it. I've climbed the mountain. I know the I know the road. I can get you up there. Just let's go. Yeah, there's a there's a ton of pros. Um, you know, whether it's finally being able to do what you want to do with your life and not, example, why you started the business, and and being able to have freedom. But I think you got to have the right blueprint to get there. You got to have a blueprint to get there. But then, is it the right blueprint? And that, that's another problem, right? Um, there's so much misinformation out there. And I'm not going to pretend that I'm some sort of genius. Like I said, I've certainly made my mistakes and I'm probably going to make mistakes in the future, but I make less mistakes. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, but so many times there's so much misinformation out there because a lot of it, I'm just call it what it is. A lot of it's the blind leading the blind. You know, they get online in forums and they start talking about this or that or whatever. And you got a bunch of people that are all collaborating and none of them know what they're talking about. So now you've got five people going in the wrong direction as opposed to one person going in the wrong direction, right? Um, I think probably the other biggest one that I've seen become a major problem throughout all of contracting is that they assume that bigger is better and you can scale a dumpster fire right now, right? 
like a lot of them, they'll, they're, they're fundamentally broken in the first place. Their margins are out of whack. They're not making any money. They're not being able to pay their payroll on time. They're under the gun as far as all of it goes. And then they make it bigger. Now you've got, you're not managing a $50,000 payroll. You're managing a one point or a, a $300,000 payroll. Just because it got bigger doesn't mean it's going to be easier. It's actually considerably worse, right? So it's so important for us to be able to establish a good baseline to work from. Are you fundamentally sound? Do you know the basic pieces and parts that go into this so that when we do scale, now you're not growing a dumpster fire. Now you're growing a, a solidly built business. Yeah. I mean, think about the amount of times where sales have exceeded what the back end of the business <laughs> is able to facilitate, right? Yeah. And then you're stuck on hold waiting for your products for for six months, nine months, and now your sales reps aren't getting paid and people aren't people aren't happy in the business and it can take a downturn real quick. God, man, COVID. Yeah. COVID was rough. I mean, so especially for the window and door market, right? Because most of the manufacturers, it wasn't even about getting a window. It was about getting the part to build a window. So the like, for example, in the vinyl market, the vinyl extruders, they weren't extruding anything because they couldn't get the plastic to extrude the vinyl. So it like, I remember we had like what? 24 weeks or some crazy thing like that when we were waiting on lead times people were not stoked no nobody was happy i mean we had we had the upfront conversation with them and told them exactly what they're getting into and i was like by all means i encourage you to talk to somebody else because it's not my problem it's our problem it's all of our problem um but that was rough was going through that and especially from a cash flow perspective when you're a contractor assuming you're getting 50 percent down which if you're not getting 50 percent down you better getting 50 percent down but if you are, the back half of your money, now you're not seeing that, right? So now you've got to do a lot more money management to make sure that you can stretch those dollars out because you still got to cover payroll and all your overheads and all your, your, your buys and all your insurance and all that kind of stuff. Yep. So you're, you're using a pool of half the money to be able to do that while still being able to order your products and make, make sure that you can pay your subs to install stuff. That's a rough one when you're on a 40-week lead time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time to be waiting for really the other half of the money yeah. that you told you were going to get. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, we could sit here and do this all day. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll talk more about it on our next podcast. Yep. Um, you know, follow us on our, our Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, all of it. I'll put all the links down below. And we're also more open to, to suggestions from you guys. If you have anything that you want us to cover, I'll open up the comment sections. You can throw that in there and we'll do our best to accommodate everybody. But until next time. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Window to Success, Business and Sales Strategies. Remember, every challenge is an opportunity in disguise. Keep pushing forward, keep learning, and keep growing your business. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes packed with valuable advice. Until next time, we wish you all the best on your path to success, and thanks for listening.